conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roe.co slash andysgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andysgirls. Sign up today. Sometimes I fast forward through life, but right now I'm on a seven second delay. I live in the valley, but I'm always ready to die on a hill. (laughs) Kick my ass. Kick my ass, you guys. It's Andy's Girls. It's episode 297. I'm so excited to have a return guest on the People's People's Couch. And also, did my... Someone who is an Emmy-nominated TV writer and producer, who I'll, who I will formally int- introduce in a second, but it's not a se- it's a ten-second delay, right? Why did I say seven? It depends. I think it depends. You can pick. Okay, I picked. It's ten is long, but it's more like three. Long. Okay, so sometimes I'm a three, sometimes I'm a seven. Only though we're talking about timing, because otherwise I'm obviously a 10. And our return guest, Lauren Ashley Smith, an Emmy-nominated TV writer and producer who's also a co-host on Smith Sisters Live, which you can hear Fridays on Sirius XM Radio, Andy Channel 102. Andy named after, obviously, Andy's Girls, which is also a reference to Andy Cohen. But Lauren Ashley Smith, welcome back to AG. How are we? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh my God. I'm so excited to have you. You know, you came up in conversation. Um, Amy Phillips was on AG again recently, and we we're just talking about how much we love you and your sister, Mariah, and also the third sister, who neither of us know, but assume is just as incredible. <laughs> <laughs> as you both are. She, Rachel is, let me just get the record straight. Rachel is not just as good as Mariah oh, and me. She's, she's better. better. Yeah. But does Rachel watch Housewives? I feel like she, she does. Doesn't. She she watches like lightly, but she also is the only one I would say of us that follows all of them on Instagram. Like she follows people on Instagram wow. to keep up. I don't follow the wives on Instagram. I just see the curated feeds, you know, and mm-hmm. I kind of catch it. When I do, I don't, I'm not following them like that. She follows Carol Radzewill on Instagram for some wow. reason. Like she follows everybody. For some reason. Um, you know what? That is really interesting because I don't follow, I don't even know if this is true anymore, but for a very long time, I didn't follow like the majority of them. Now I feel like I follow a good number, but then it just becomes because you follow the content creators and also the housewives. And then the content creators are often you know, showing what the wives just posted, understandably so, but then it's just like post and then post I already saw and then post I already saw of a poster. It's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. I personally like to keep, you know, and in, in the event of major things, I will make an exception, which mm-hmm. I, it, lately I'm making a lot of exceptions. Like if the people are in the news, but I tend to like to only follow the uh, King James version storyline, AKA what's on Bravo. Like, I don't like to 
know, you know, what's happening before I see it and vice versa. So that's why I choose not to follow because I like to, I like to preserve the, the sanctity of the, of what Bravo chooses to give me. And also the sanctity of your safe space, also known as social media. My God. Yeah. It's like, what are we talking about? There's so much going on. There's so much. I mean, listen, I feel like we just need to address this and talk about it because it happened and the posts were a lot. And I want to get your thoughts on the not so longer breaking news, but story and and um, development update that Tom and Katie from Vanderpump Rules are indeed getting divorced. How do we feel? How did we process it? Were we surprised? I, you know, being on Vanderpump Rules and being a Vanderpump Rules head, like obviously like the depiction of their relationship has not Mm -hmm. been the most like stable or healthy or whatever. But I think that in recent years, they really came to a place that they were like kind of like the elder states couple of the show mm-hmm. and the real like, you know, like mommy, daddy, 2.5 dogs, house in the valley type vibe, you know? Mm-hmm. But so all that to say, when I saw the posts, I was, I'm not kidding. And maybe this is indicative of the space I am in mentally, but I cried when I read Tom's post. It oh made me cry. God. I was so despondent. I was like another one of our great millennial couples has, has fallen. And this isn't a couple that like was married for like, you know, six months. Like they've been together for 12 years. Like we, I have been watching them since Katie was wearing bodycon dresses. Like this is a long time. Okay. And so I am truly heartbroken and it's like, obviously they do what's best for them, but I, I could talk about it forever. Also shout out to them for, this is why they, they are where they are in life because they created a new, uh, note app font. They created a new mm. d- divorce font. They elevated the genre. And for that, I thank them. <laughs> so I, I, I could talk about it forever. How did you feel? Did you see it coming? Um, I didn't honestly, a lot of people were posting that sun article and right. apologies to the sun. I'm a big fan of the sun and also stars in the moon above. And like, I just didn't, I was like, oh, I don't know that I believe this. And I also thought like, these aren't people who would do this, but I wouldn't be surprised if someone, you know, because of VPR being in in the state it was and maybe having like maybe a little bit of a difficult narrative the last season, like maybe people are just talking about this in advance of like deciding where VPR is going in the future. But I honestly didn't, I didn't believe it. And then when Katie announced and confirmed and then reading Tom's, um confirmation I felt honestly so sad for them and you know I I want to get your thoughts on so many aspects of this but like my initial thought was like the way that they framed it felt so adult and mature Mm -hmm. and honest and vulnerable and to do that after a decade, essentially, of people criticizing your relationship, like to put in that work, but to know that you might be getting hit with like a big, you know, wave of critique or God forbid people joking. I just thought it was like, for lack of a better term, like kind of brave of them. I know? agree. And I also thought it was very self-aware because like, these are people like, I believe Katie Maloney Schwartz has probably a million or close to a million followers on Instagram. Mm. There's a lot of like, they are very well-known people, blue check right. people that are for all intents and purposes famous. Right. But they mm. also know that they are not, um, Florence Pugh. You know what I'm saying? Like they mm-hmm. aren't actors who became famous. They are TV characters, people who are on reality television. So when Tom said like, I know it, you know, it would be weird for me to say, can you give us our privacy after right. watching us for several years on TV? So I feel like I need to be transparent. That's, I really respect and admire that because I do feel like sometimes our reality stars, um, are not pr- holding up their end of the social contract. Like some actors, you know, obviously like they, got a role on a TV show or in a movie. They didn't sign up for us to be all up in their business. Tom and Katie signed up for us to be all up in their business. Like if I've seen your butt several times, you're going to have to tell me what happened. Yeah. And he gets that. And it just was very, like you said, adult, respectful, respectable. 
and extremely self-aware. Yeah. And the point where he's like, I get that people have a right to know or whatever the framework is, but like, I can't ask for privacy, but I do ask for you to be kind Yes, about the most vulnerable, sad, not to say it's like the saddest thing that's ever happened to them. Cause I don't know. I don't, we don't know that, but I would assume that going through a divorce, let alone on a public stage where everyone's going to have an opinion as they have had for your relationship, ups, downs, rings on strings. I just think that's really tough. And there's a difference between like, well, they signed up for it, which I get, and also being able to empathize with people because this isn't easy. It doesn't matter if you signed up to show your life on reality TV, you are still allowed to go through things that can be traumatic, Mm -hmm. traumatizing, or especially different because you continue to be on reality TV. And they just, they have my empathy for that. They really do. I just, I'm, I'm sad. I'm sad about it. I'm sad. And I'm sad too, that like, you know, again, the show is the show, but I feel sad separately that, in the um, series finale of their marriage, they kind of took down the friendship between the Toms on the way out. Um, Because I think that that relationship has been modified in a way that won't be able to be restored. And Mm. for the marriage to end and for one of the side effects to be the, this compromise of the Tom and Tom friendship is like, just like insult to injury to me. Do you think that the Toms will no longer well, are, do you think that they're in like a, a, a tough spot still? Is that still the I case? Think, I think that they're probably fine, but it's like one of those things where like once you have that kind of weirdness in a friendship, it's, you know, good still, but it's not the same as it was before. Mm. It's not, you know, them in the motorcycle in the sidecar, like hijinks. It's just a little bit more, it's lost some of the innocence, lost some of the the trust in a way that probably is not going to come back. And speaking of trust, it is sort of an awkward moment for VPR because they have gone through like a several, a couple different seasons of like trying to figure out where they are casting wise, but the show was created cast specific. There's like environmental Bravo shows. I would put summer house in that route, mm-hmm. you know, when deck. it comes like below deck and then there's cast specific shows like Shaws of Sunset and VPR where it's really dependent on a specific group of friends. And because half the friends are no longer on the show, but we know that Katie, for example, is still very, very close to Kristen, Stassi, Jackson, Brittany, and is also now going through this very public and tough moment and is depending on her real friends who are no longer on the show. I don't know what that means for the show next season because the people that she has real, true, trusting, organic relationships with are no longer in the cast, which was like a big part of the framework of the show. I don't know how production navigates this. I think that the saving grace is that Mm. we now for the first time have our top tier people on Vanderpump, like no shade to like the Charlies and whoever's of the world, yeah. but like yeah. the, the, the headliners, like now we're in a season where we have three of the headliners, Katie, Tom, and James who are single. So that might actually bring back some of the OG recipe of the show. Cause we've never really seen a single Katie on Vanderpump rules. Oh man, I'm so nervous for her to be single on this show. I'm so nervous. Is that bad? I'm nervous for her to be single on this show. I'm nervous. Tequila Katie single? Mm-mm. I mean, and and how do you it's it's bad enough to announce this, let alone announce it in off season, but like how do you go through the process of getting divorced as a part of your reality TV contract? Like I don't know how that like where are the if if Vanderpump rules and reality tv is often about releasing and breaking apart boundaries for the purpose of completing your job description how does that work over maybe the most sensitive struggle significant breakup that you are going through like how 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 do you deal with that how do you survive it spiritually how do you survive it 
no idea. Oh, man, it's tough. And also his language used, which I get, but I also felt a weird secondhand wave of like Katie's decision or something where I got it. But I was also like, okay, it might have been her decision to leave, but like maybe you didn't give her a choice in the matter. You know, like I didn't I don't think it was passive aggressive of him, but I just felt sad by it because I thought there's going to be such a sensitivity assigned to Tom. I hope that's also really given to Katie. There's like a gendered. Yeah. It felt a little bit like he was trying to cover his ass to be like, Mm -hmm. I didn't leave my wife because he would be absolutely vilified for that. Yeah. Um, But it also was like, Katie didn't say all that in her statement. Like they got on the same page about the font, but not the content. (laughs) And also like not to like um, mix in things or like, you know, I'm going to make up this metaphor, but like not to bring a pancake to a barbecue, but it did have notes of in the sister wives universe. When Cody Brown said that he respected Christine's decision, she, he's the one who also was like, my wife chose to leave me in his statement. And she didn't say all that basically. Do you think, I don't know how this works for breakups. Obviously there had to be some sort of moment of them being like, we need to announce it. So it's announced at the same time. Do you think that they shared drafts with each other? How do you go about, they had to, right? They had to because they were, they were the, the one was the inverse of the other, same font, same color palette, same time. So of course they did. I just wonder reading that if I was Katie reading Tom's announcement, which I, both of which I thought were really honestly super well-written and vulnerable and honest. And his had like, you know, a little bit of humor, which is very indicative of Schwartz. But like, I just wonder reading that, reading that line, how I would feel if I was in Katie's position, maybe fine, maybe because he did also follow it up by saying like, but what the, the bigger tragedy would be if she stayed in a marriage in which Mm -hmm. she was unhappy, which is incredible incredibly important to communicate and I thought that was like props to him for saying it very emotionally mature mm-hmm. I just I don't know that I would love that I don't know that I would I, I personally think that you know that uh it's like a meme but it's like of a, a text response where I'm pretty sure she hit him with the like I'm not reading all that congratulations or sorry that happened like basically like she just didn't read it <laughs> And like Andy, come just like in all of the Bravo Labs and like Pioneer Woman redraw. Pioneer Woman. I don't know a lot about cooking, but like these superstars from other universes. If like we talk about you know Housewives and Bravo Labs as like the Avengers universe to see Pixar movie people (laughs) coming in (laughs) with their support, I was like, oh, this actually shows the power of Bravo. I'm very here for it. I just need to know Rihanna's response, honestly. Yes, yes. My God. Well, listen, um, there's a lot going on in the Bravo world. I do want to shift gears a little bit. Now, I know that you were a scholar, for example, in Salt Lake City, and I want to get your thoughts on the reunion. But we had two very strong episodes with Housewives, Orange County, which I'm going to break down on Patreon, and New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this has been a big week in talking about marital issues, romantic relationship stuff. And as we referenced at the start of our convo, you know, there's a lot of conversation that's always happening in the Bravo world and on social. And what we're watching on New Jersey right now is also still continuing to happen in real time in the sense, right? Like in the sense of Louie raising some questions in the Bravo community and the Bravo universe about either his intentions in his relationship with Teresa or more plainly just the execution of who he is in relationships, which continues to be discussed in real time while he disavows or tries to contradict what was discussed several years ago, you know, on this week's app. And I'm just kind of curious for your thoughts, knowing that you are following the Louis and Tree of it all, seeing some posts on social, saw some of, um, you know, what's happening on last night's app. Where do you find yourself um, in the Louis and Tree Michigas? How are you kind of measuring 
um, the state of affairs with their relationship? I'm feeling a bit disoriented because Mm. my, I'm not, um, I am, I have usually abstained from New Jersey because when I came to housewives and it was so far down the road that I was intimidated by the backlog. And so my introduction to despite, you know, I worked at watch what happens live. So I had like a bear, I read Teresa's book. I watched current episodes, but like, I'd never been a Jersey head, but then once I, um, watched uh, Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip, I became very intrigued about Teresa and Melissa. I started watching a little bit from the beginning. I watched the first season recently and I watched last night's episode. So I have some context. I still feel disoriented because this was my first time watching last night's episode ever getting eyes on Louie. I never, the only experience I had with this man was when Teresa was very, very measuredly reading his card out loud on ultimate girl's trip. So I've always thought, Oh, Louis perfect. The way she talks about him, Louis perfect. He's a wonderful man. He has no faults. We're in a love bubble, blah, blah, blah. And then out the gate, I turn on Jersey for the first time in 20 years and they're talking about some, he hit somebody. I was like, Oh no, what, what? And then his immediate response was she's crazy. That was very, very concerning and off-putting as it was obviously to the other people right. on the program. Right. And I was like, oh my gosh, good for them for, good for them for clocking that. Cause that was not the good, not the right response. Guilty or not, which I have no context, but I'm going to err on the side of believing the person that said what happened happened. Um, but even if you are saying that I didn't do it, don't make your defense. She's crazy. Don't do that. And I stayed with her. What he said was, yeah, you know what? I Rumors aren't real. I mean, I heard a rumor that she was attacking her ex-husband with a machete. And then the follow-up, wow, did you break up with her? No, we stayed, no. We stayed together. I was trying to get another her. shot. Like, dude, what? So what are you, are you trying to tell us that you are that toxic that you hear a rumor about this woman you're in a significant long-term relationship with and you don't ask her any questions about that? What, how, how does that work? Wouldn't you want to change the cycle of bad behavior by answering questions that people have about you, about rumors about you because you understand from that toxic relationship that didn't work out that not asking important questions can absolutely fuck up whatever potential future you have wouldn't isn't and also by the way he went to this like warrior beach camp where you scream at each other and get out all of the rage that you have against women against each other because it helps you like heal your toxic soul But I'm pretty sure, oh, yeah, that's like the whole starter of the season is this psycho video of him like raging at a video and yelling at someone to marry him. And then he was like, JK, it didn't actually happen like that. But I tattooed warrior on my chest because I'm a believer. I would think that if you went to this like day camp, that's all not to be confused with Teresa's camp, which is a different Mm -hmm. kind. But if you went to this thing that was all about like men you know, working through their stuff so they can be providers emotionally for their partners and like having these moments. I would think that day one, there would be a big focus on taking personal responsibility and being honest. And it's so interesting to me that this man who spent, I don't know, $25,000 or whatever it was to fly to California to do this, you know, we're broken people, which is fine, but like we're broken. So we're going to break each other to build each other back. And I'm going to, you know, propose to this woman on the beach surrounded by very odd looking shirtless people. Like I'm going to do this thing. I would think that a big part of being a warrior is like sucking it up and being honest. And it's just so interesting to me that the people who pay exorbitant amounts of money to go to these things to like connect with their true personhood or whatever is also the kind of guy who ostensibly is on reality TV right now lying through his ass about his intentions. I am so, I I can only say I'm concerned. And like, mm. I thought that it was so um, 
astute of Melissa, who she and Teresa do not get along, obviously, but like Melissa knows Teresa really well. And Melissa's Mm -hmm. pretty emotionally intelligent. And when she told her husband, Joe, like when she was like, he was like, if he's going to be my brother-in-law, she goes, he is 100% going to be your brother-in-law. I was like, she peeped game. She knows that Teresa is not hitting the brakes on this whatsoever. He's going to be your brother-in-law. So whatever you do, whatever you approach, know that. Yeah. And there's a moment with Teresa where she's in her bathroom getting ready for her wild, well, not even wild, just kind of like whatever it is, um, you know, year anniversary boat dance with Louie. And she's with her daughters. And there's a moment where she says, you know, where she's like, how do you guys feel? And Gabriella's like, I'm cool as a cucumber. You're happy, whatever. I'm I'm like absolutely spaced out of this moment because I am an absolute boss. Mm-hmm. And Gia says, I had essentially concerns at first, which is, by the way, the diametrical opposite of what Teresa had said to us, the audience, and whomever else a couple episodes prior when she said, we hadn't seen the videos and we have no interest. She's now allowing her child to acknowledge that they had heard rumors and were concerned. And it's just so interesting to me that she can have a a moderately honest, vulnerable conversation with her daughters where her daughters acknowledge the fact that people were talking about this and concerned about Louis's character and what was going to happen. And she allows that to exist and be reality. And yet elsewhere with her actual cast, if God forbid someone says the absolute same thing that Gia said, even at half speed, even with a seven second delay, she's going to lose her mind. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate because I think if, I mean, I guess that's why Teresa is so watchable, I guess, because she's incapable of processing information in that way without putting up a wall. But like, how much further would we be along with feeling maybe a little bit more optimistic about this relationship if she didn't so vehemently fight people having the same kind of honest conversation and honest questions that her children are saying openly they had. Not to defend Teresa because she doesn't want need defending, but just my like armchair theory about what Mm -hmm. I'm seeing happen is that she is someone because Teresa is extremely And I don't mean this in a negative way, but she's just very simple. Like she has things that she really viscerally wants and wants to accomplish. And they're not super complex. It's like, I want to be a good mom. I want to be a good wife. And that's pretty much it. Right. Mm -hmm. And she's operating. It appears from this very, like, you know, as a writer, I think about like character motivation all the time and like Mm -hmm. what really drives people to do things that they do that are either funny or weird or dramatic, whatever. She's at her character level, at her cellular level core, mm. she is someone who is operating in this moment in uh, in service of her most primal needs and mm. desires. Her primal mm. need and desire is to be a good mom, which is why she accepts when her daughter is honest about the nature of her relationship with her fiance, but because that is a primal desire that she's had since season one, episode one, since she came on this earth to be a good mom. And it's very clear that that is something that's really important to her. Her other primal desire is to be loved and to be in this relationship, Mm. which is why when it comes to the outside and other people criticizing it, she loses her shit to defend it because it is her primal need to be in that relationship. Oh my God. Such a good point. Such a good point. And here's my follow-up to you. If she does have those primal desires that I absolutely agree with, what happens, and I hope it doesn't, but I think it will, what happens if at a certain point her primal desire to be loved is in conflict with her desire to protect her daughters? She defaults to the kids 100%. You think she will? Will will she allow herself to recognize that if there is a certain point where her relationship with Louis is affecting her children, noting what they had previously experienced with her toxic relationship with Joe, 
do you think she will allow herself to revert to the primal defense of of and for her kids? Will she allow it? Yes, because remember her North Star, her religion basically is the Godfather, is it not? Yeah. And her whole thing, and that's why she and Melissa are always at odds and why her brother are always at odds is because she is very much about the family. Mm-hmm. So quotes, that's the family. Yes, the family. Her desire to be a good mom, as I've seen, and like I said, it's been limited, but I have noticed that every decision that she makes, good or bad, she's never made the decision that would be worse for her kids. Okay. With one little asterisk. Sure, hit me. And this might be unfair. But in that scene, and I think they were in a limo. Why were they in a limo? With um the kids, and it was, you know, Melissa Gorga at peak. I'm going to be a pop star. And she's, you know, saying things. And her kids, I think it was actually Gia, were like, or maybe Melania, were like making fun of Melissa. And also the scene, waking up in the morning, which was all related to her kids experiencing deep sadness because of a very public split with her brother. When you think about that fighting through the lens of your children are being harmed, is it unfair of me to say, work this out for the kids? Because in that moment, the kids were not the priority. They weren't. And I don't mean that as a critique. I'm not married. I don't have children. I, I'm not meaning this as a critique of her parenting, but I am saying that there are exceptions to the family rule from the perspective of like mama bear. There are sometimes extenuating circumstances. And I'm not saying she actively chose to fight over protecting her children through the after effects and the waves of of the resulting trauma that existed from such public hatred essentially and alienation of siblings against each other adult siblings but I don't know I don't know how that uh, is it unfair of me to say I wish in that moment she had been able to work through this so that her kids weren't making songs to sing about their sadness and crying you're a hundred percent right. And I don't think that she, I will amend my statement to say that she always does what she thinks is best for the kids. I don't think Amen. she has sound decision-making all the time. I'm saying that her motivation as a person is to do what's best for them. And she slipped up many times. Her motivation is to, you know, do one thing, but I'm saying the thing that drives her as a character is to be a good mom. Is she always gonna, She's right. going to make the decision she wants to make, but at her core, she, her desire is to be. Um, a hundred percent. And also, you know, we talk about like the idea of love bombing with Louis very public and forceful declarations of his commitment to tree. And one could look at the ways that she's saying, I'm so happy. I'm so in love. I'm so happy as both. Uh, an example for her children, almost a reward of like, listen, we survived Mm. my relationship with your father together. And this is the happy ending that you deserve. And also happiness is possible. And I'm going to declare it. I want you to be in a position where you see two people, one of whom is your parent in love, happy. And I want you to know that, that this is possible both as a goal, but also a little bit of a salve of what you went through before. I'm acknowledging that what you experienced with us going to camp, with the split, with your father not being allowed back into this Mm -hmm. country, that I am offering you not a solution, but um, not a A happy ending almost. But a happy ending. uh, It's basically like a back justification. So it's like, Mm -hmm. She is one of those people that she loves a platitude. She loves a like um, inspirational quote. And so she's trying to back engineer the inspirational quote that is her life. It's like, you have to go through the the storm to get to the rainbow. You have to Mm. go, you know, through the fire to get to the whatever. Like, she's like, look, we got the, Louis the rainbow. So all that other stuff is, you know, collateral damage. Um, 100% agree. And also, I've been on such a journey with Teresa. I really, 
really disliked her season three, season four, when everything was at its peak with Joe and Melissa. I had a lot and the stripper gate stuff I had and what was happening with Jacqueline and blaming Jacqueline for things. I really, really didn't like her. And I just think that like the thing is, at the end of the day, I do think she's so inherently likable and Mm -hmm. she has been through so much and I she deserves to be happy. And I wish that there was a part of her that understood that the reason people are asking questions is because she deserves to feel safe. Exactly. It's for her. And like at a certain point, this is turning with Marge asking questions because she's feeling the brunt of of feeling disrespected for asking questions. One of many people in the cast. But I also think like. Teresa, I just wish I I want her to have a happy ending. I think she deserves it. We have seen we have gone through so much with her. I just I'm so nervous about him. I am. I just really am. I but wish on I the wasn't. other hand, I, wish I wasn't. If you're her, like, yeah, she's like my last husband. I had to go to jail for him. If yeah. this guy right here hasn't done mm-hmm. anything directly to me yet, what do I look like being like? No, I'm not saying that's correct. I'm just trying to get in her head. And like, if I went to jail camp for my husband, um, my, yes, my, my threshold would be of like, uh, breakup would be a, a bit higher going forward. Um, absolutely. And I also think of that moment in the dressing room slash bathroom experience extravaganza. Um, you know, when she says, you know, he may have had baggage, but so did I. And Gia's immediate response is like, okay, cool. But your baggage wasn't related to something you did. Your baggage no, was because you violence. had to bear, right. You had to bear the brunt of, uh, of punishment for things that my dad did. Like it was so important for Gia to say that in that moment, which I really appreciated, but also for Teresa made me think like, oh my God, you're single, your ex-husband is dealing with significant immigration issues, you are the breadwinner, you have to pay back financial penalties, you are a single parent to four, why did I just think in my head she has three kids, four daughters, daughters, and, you know, you're thinking, will someone ever love me again because I am bringing so much to the table? And I just wonder for her, it's got to be both a relief and also almost like fear-based concern of like, if this doesn't work, I need this to work out because I am bringing so much baggage that I don't know that someone will ever allow themselves to love me because I'm bringing, it's, it is, it's sad to think about my God. I mean, and also like, Fuck Joe, like for putting her in that position where she has to think to herself, not only did I have to go to camp, but I might still be bearing and carrying the the baggage and the weight of that and even trying to find someone to love me again. I just think that's so sad and I want her to be happy. I'm so nervous. I just I just want her to be happy she looks so sad when she cries it's like so hard to watch it's like she looks so helpless and it's like oh gosh please please and I just have to say guys it, it goes to show the experience of keeping an open mind because if you had said to me a couple years ago that I would be not standing for Teresa. I'm not a tree hugger, but really appreciative of what she has experienced and like respectful of it and and empathetic to it. I would be like, absolutely. That's not possible. This is someone who is like almost a trigger, like not Danielle Staub style, God forbid that, that that doesn't exist, but like, but in the sense of being able to still empathize with someone and see them in a different light and respect them, you know, enough to want to see them make choices that are hopefully healthy and solid, like, and also respect that maybe they won't. And here's an examination of why. I just think that shows the power of the housewives universe. Mm -hmm. And in watching, not giving up on these women's stories, like there will always be certain housewives, certain women where you're like, no more of this person. I can't do it. I'm unwilling. But then if you keep up with the journey, I feel like more often than not, there can be a little bit of a change. It shows the the 
the kind of power of housewife storytelling, I think. I agree. Um, I do want to shift gears a little bit to Salt Lake because I know that you are a Salt Lake scholar. And I want to get your thoughts on the reunion cycle overall and then maybe talk Definitely. What are we talking about? Maybe definitely talk about some of the specifics. How did you experience uh, the room, the reunion? How did you feel about the way it went, and um, any surprises that you felt watching it? I really enjoyed the reunions, all three parts. I thought that, especially part. No, I would say all three parts didn't have a ton of like filler. Like mm. there weren't just like you know, uh, you know. Let's briefly touch on this. Like there was so much um, crosstalk and like unresolved Mm -hmm. issues. I don't know if, I don't know much about the reunion timing usually, but it seemed like this one was like so fresh for them. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. Meredith having just seen Lisa's rant about her on the hot Mm -hmm. mic, uh, 24, 48 hours beforehand. Like that is what you call hot off the presses. And like, so Mm -hmm. for Lisa to be trying to like talk to Meredith in the commercial break and like, for uh, all the, for, it just was so (sighs) timely. It felt very, very relevant Mm -hmm. to both what happened on the season and what's happening now. And so I really loved it a lot. I thought that some of the wives came, I, I was very charmed by Jen Shaw. I know. I know. How do you process that? How do you process it? That was many a of us, moment of many of us felt that way. Many cognitive that dissonance way. for me because I watched the documentary. I've heard uh-huh. the, the recordings of her, uh, allegedly it's her on the, you know, calling these people to allegedly defraud them, which she is accused of. Mm-hmm. I do believe like based on what I saw in season again, having seen the evidence. And then when she told the women at that dinner, Jenny threw like, I didn't do this. This isn't me. I was like, if I hadn't seen the evidence, I would believe this person. She's very convincing. And also I think that she really believes that she's innocent. I think she really does. in church right now and I'm Jewish but like the chapel of housewives and also reunions like confessional time this is our confessional I think she really believes it I really think she does I think she believes it and her husband does as well okay here's what I need there's so many questions for you do we think that coach really thinks she's innocent coach who's like a literal attorney a literal, do we really think he thinks it's a federal conspiracy? Because you Good know he's question. read the fucking documents. Good you question. know he has. How could he not have? Do you really think it? I believe that she thinks it, but I don't know that I believe that he thinks it. I think, because you're right, I think that he's letting a little bit of like his you know, the, the, the male impulse, which is like, Mm. and be like, oh, she didn't know she got, what did she get herself into my, Mm -hmm. my silly wife, the, (laughs) these legal troubles, like I, maybe that's it. Cause he just seems like a genuine, like kind person. Yeah. And I just can't see him staying with someone who intentionally did what she did. Do we think that he thought he had a choice in the matter? Yes. Really? He has his own, like their kids are grown. He has his own extremely successful career. As Jen said, it's not Little League. Like the man was in the Rose Bowl. Like he's very, very, very um, separately well-known and beloved. So like he doesn't have any reason to stay with her outside of wanting to. And yet, there were moments when they were on stage where I was like, ooh, this might turn a little bit. Because I think in the audience watching, there may have been a prosecutor or an assistant. And the ways that they were talking about when he found out not calling his wife to alert her, the medical stuff, where I was like, oh no, I know you have to answer this, but maybe 
answer it less for your own best interest because I've seen that moment of her looking at the camera so many times and something about this, it would be so easy to prove right or debunk and they're obviously both on the same page, but something about this doesn't feel entirely honest. It definitely feels like some information is being withheld. Do I know if that is being withheld for their protection or for mm-hmm. deception? I do not know. I don't understand. Like one thing that I didn't get that full vibe. The one moment that really like kept me up after I watched it was when Andy said, are you going to be here for the reunion season three? And she said, mm. you know, I am like, of course I am. And I was like, I can just see them replaying that in sepia tones at the reunion and there's an empty chair. Like I, I'm very, 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 it, it, it makes me sick to my stomach to like think of that, that such certainty to say that with such certainty was like, Oh boy. Oh, like it feels queasy. Remember when he said it to Teresa, this might be our last reunion together. And it was so sad And Jen is not in Teresa's position. Teresa had to pay a price because of what happened with her husband. But Jen is facing, no one told her, but Jen is facing decades in prison. Decades. Federal prison. prison. And her counter, her co-defendant took a plea. That's very bad. Yeah, and when Andy was like, I forget what the percentage is, but the Southern District of New York is truly no joke. And it was like, what, like 95 or 97%? And her response was like, yeah, because they usually take a plea deal. I thought to myself, you're not wrong, Jen Shaw. You're not. but But the reason that people take a plea deal is because at the point where you are being indicted at that level, and there has been a decade decade long look into this, There is seemingly no choice but to plead because the evidence is so stacked against this person. They're not going to take a case unless they know that they're going to win and it's going to be a landslide. Yes. And I'm just very nervous for her. And I don't know how much of her fighting this is to fight it because she believes that she's innocent and this is a federal conspiracy, which I get. Or she's delaying the inevitable, but in doing so, she's making the inevitable so much worse. And do so not much worse. Do not do not take do not let your ego get in the way of your freedom if you can help it. And it feels a bit like she's like, well, I didn't do this, so I'm not gonna take a plea. Like she's so inflexible and doesn't want to to she wants to save face so bad she's gonna end up in prison for 50 years and it's just not necessary I think it's gonna be like a solid god forbid we get to this point but I don't see how we can avoid it I don't know that she's looking at a decade but I don't think it's gonna be a year I think we're looking at like a six to eight five to seven maybe four to six that is an extremely long time that is a very long time That is a very long time. And I just, there are aspects of this where I'm like, oh, ma'am, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work. I just don't know how this is going to work. I just don't know. I just really don't know. And yet it wasn't a part of the season, really. It wasn't. The season was when did things happen with Meredith and Mary? And also, why does Lisa Barlow suck? That was the season. And this woman is facing 50 plus years. And that was just for like two of the counts. And there are a couple more. Uh, what? But you know, to me, that's a good mark of a, a mark of a good housewives. Because mm. if the girls... And I mean, I'm using this in the colloquial sense, the women, but mm-hmm. if the girls can carry without the federal charges, they're, they're carrying, you know what I'm saying? Like they're going to carry regardless. So they don't need a big headline. Like the show is, the show is popping no matter what. And that was like, to me, that was a flex, like the way that Beverly Hills, like rested so heavily on Erica's case, mm. but had nothing else. 
Salt Lake City said, I'll do you one better. And they said, the the federal charges will be a, but a mere footnote in the interpersonal relations in this group. Okay. I mean, some because people could she, take that as a critique, but you're saying it's a it's a show of strength. It's a show of strength. It's like, because if, if old girl goes to prison, then what they're going to talk about now? Do you know what I'm saying? If they're, if, if that's all you have, like, get your game up. You know, on that note, how would you process the way that the season ended up and the way that the reunion ended up through the lens or through the eyes of Lisa Barlow? If you were Lisa Barlow sitting there knowing that you are in the hot seat and there's this person who's been accused of like defrauding the elderly, which is not funny, but like the sense of like, this is not a victimless crime here. The whole narrative is that there were a whole bunch of victims but I'm the one being accused of being the bad, like literal bad person or or fraud, which is sort of essentially what Heather Gay is saying. How would you process that? Like, would you strategically, if you were in her seat, would you try to apply pressure back to Jen? Or would you know that because everybody else is against me, I just kind of have to survive it? I would personally be very pissed, but like mm-hmm. that to me that question is hard to answer because it's stripped of the context, which is that like Jen did something allegedly objectively bad and abhorrent, Mm -hmm. but she didn't do it to the people she's sitting next to on the couch. Mm -hmm. Lisa Barlow. It's like, we can, two things can be true. Jen's case can be true and we can hold her accountable for that, but we can also hold someone who we thought was our friend or who, purported to be a certain way and then said things behind our backs or sowed chaos. Like we can also hold that person accountable because ultimately it's like, if you're sitting having dinner with my kids and my family, and then I hear you calling me a whore and this and that and blah, 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 I'm gonna want an answer. Mm-hmm. And it really appears to me like Lisa it has some severe control issues and severe need to be liked and no shade because like those are things that I struggle with as well that it's not it's a human quality but just seeing her implode and be so committed like I said about Jen like ego clinging to her ego in such a way that she couldn't actually hear what was being said or take any accountability it was very hard to watch because I think that when she watched it back she probably was like oh wow I look really 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 not in my best light when I could have just been like offered a sincere apology. Cause she did seem apologetic. She seemed like she didn't yeah. like what she said, but she mm-hmm. was so desperate to defend her actions to save face as opposed to save her friendships. It was really tough to watch. Also, it's like you did this because you were so hot because someone told you that Meredith was shit talking your house, which sidebar was that the producer in the bathroom dying to know but also, I mean, quite literally, if someone is saying something weird about your living room, to say that she's a whore who's fucked half of New York, I don't know. Maybe you could have just said, like, well, I hate her garage. Like, right. What, what's happening here? Like, if I was Meredith, I would be very startled at the idea that this person I had a significant long-term relationship with maybe always felt these things about me. How could you not think that? Yeah. It was definitely very harsh language and uncalled for. Mm-hmm. And Meredith had every right, especially after having heard it mere hours before, hours like had every right to be like, I don't know what to think about you right now, child. I'm still processing. And it appears they're still processing on social. They're doing these very thinly veiled jabs at each other of like, be real, you be real, a weird quote uncredited about fake people, other quote about friendship stuff. And it's like seemingly very obviously supposed to be directed at the other person do you think that there's a potential for them to ever get back to the place that they were before or is the trust irreparably broken and what could lisa do do you think lisa actually even wants that lisa not meredith lisa lisa does want that because she wants everything to be like all good all smoothed over all set like she's like a mm. she thinks she's like the olivia pope of salt lake city she's like she does it's fixed. It's been, it's handled. Like I mean, Meredith, it's hand- like, she thinks she's, she's like girl boss, gatekeep, gaslight all the way. Like she's very much like 
I am glued to my Blackberry, like that type of person. Mm -hmm. So she wants it to be fixed. But like, as I said about the Toms, like there is a certain line that once it gets crossed in a friendship, like it can be, the friendship can be restored, but what was once cannot always be repaired. Mm -hmm. If you were Meredith, do you think you would ever feel safe enough to even repair it? Like, how do you look at this person and say, wow, you heard I was talking shit about your house, which P.S. I was not, and you went that far. So what happens if I, God forbid, say something that really offends you? Meredith's in a tough position because it's like friends, especially, you know, as we get older, like adult friendships are so precious. Mm -hmm. They're in the unique position too, where it's like, you know, plenty of people have adult friendships that are like, oh, like, we had a real big falling out, but like now we're able to get back on the good foot, blah, 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 whatever. But those falling outs were not on national television and able to be replayed over and over. So it's like, you kind of feel like you look like a fool a bit if like they do patch things up and then you're now posting like selfies over margaritas um, with this person that called you someone who slept with half of New York City. Like that's a hard thing to hit post on or a hard thing to like, be like sleepover, you know, like it, people are going to be like, um, did you forget what she said to you about you? So it, she's in a bad, a bad position, I think, but I think she's mature enough and also so committed to seeming like the bigger person enough that she'll give it a mm. shot. I also really liked her response. I don't know how much of it I believe, but I really liked her response of like, I don't hold a grudge. I set boundaries, mm. which I thought was really, I, I, and again, I don't know. And there was some like side eyes <laughs> of the cast over that, but like, that was a pretty good response of like, yeah, it's not that I am like trying to punish you with my silence. I am quite literally just protecting my spirit and soul. Right. And if she wanted to hold a grudge for that monologue, She's well within her right. Amen. She is. I mean, listen, the, as Jen, I think it was Jen herself or Heather Gay said, like, you know, because of a couple DMs or whatever it was on social, she refused to talk to Jen for a calendar year. So like the Lisa stuff, it's going to be a long road back. And also, you know, we talk about Teresa's mama bear instincts we obviously see evidence of Meredith's mama bear reaction. And if she felt like that monologue in any way hurt her kids, you are fucked. Yeah. You are absolutely fucked. And the brilliance of the monologue and the efficiency of the monologue is she hit her house. She hit her finances and she hit her family. That is like, it's not like she was talking about her feathers on her clothes. She wasn't talking about the vacation she takes. She said, I'm hitting the foundation of your home, your bank account, and your offspring. That's grounds for somebody to really have to really process how they're going to deal with you after that. And also- And her father, her late father. Right. And, and you know, we never really actually got an answer on- the New York rumors of it all. Like, I don't think that's coming from nowhere. Like where there's smoke, there's fire. And when someone is that pissed that there's like a talk about a guttural response, like we never really went down that path. And I don't know that we will again. I don't know that we're going to get to that point, but there's a lot there. You know, sometimes it's like people can feel like their lives are at risk regardless of how they have potentially behaved or whatever. But I don't know that's the entirely the case here. I think that something is happening, especially because the stakes are so high because this was your close friend of so many years. Like what happens when you get into a fight with someone who maybe knows where the secrets lurk, like where the bodies are buried, how much of the trust and confidence do you think should still continue to be respected? Because, mm -hmm. you know, there's a way to handle this as adults and say, you told me something in confidence, assuming this is uh, allegedly, but like you told me something in confidence or like, I know something. And so I I'm going to keep that confidence because I trust our relationship so much, even if we're at an irreparable moment, like how much of that is the case and how much of it is you fuck with me, I'm going to fuck with you right back. And babe, I know everything, you know? Scary stuff. Real scary stuff. Real. I mean, like, how do you trust a friend in the future? I would be looking behind my shoulder yeah. to be like, 
what are you going to say? How do I know? I mean, even in the case of their specific relationship, how do I know that I could ever tell this person uh, something ever again, let alone what they think of me regardless? Right. It's very obvious. I mean, that Lisa is someone who comes from a place of scarcity Mm. where she's like, I, she has a lot to prove Mm -hmm. about her power, her, uh, relationship, her family, her business, her connection to other people. Like she really has a lot to prove and wants to be seen in a certain way. Meredith does not give a shit to a certain extent. Meredith does not have anything to prove to people she doesn't care about, you know? And so those two dynamics are very interesting to see at play in a dispute because Lisa wants the friendship back for maybe her own reasons, which are like more cosmetic. And Meredith is more, I would say, uh, motivated by what fulfills her emotionally. Yeah, like Meredith's a little bit more holistic. Yeah. Oh, man. It's... um. I don't know. It's going to be a tough next season, but I think it's going to be thoroughly watchable. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't use the golden era Renaissance lingo uh, on the daily, but there's a lot going on. And also, guys, I'm going to unpack Orange County on Patreon. It was a a solid episode, a truly solid, enjoyable episode from a really enjoyable season. The stakes are so low and I'm so (laughs) grateful for it. I love it. I love that it's like this person might whisper at my medical event and like I don't want them to. It's so dumb. I love it. (laughs) It's fulfilling me in a way that I haven't been from Orange County in so long. And I love it. I would recommend it, honestly. I would recommend it. I'll definitely, definitely catch up. I watched a couple of the first couple episodes of the season. And I like that. I like that my housewives can Mm. can fill me up in different ways. Like you have federal charges on one and you have people being kicked out of sushi parties on the other. Like it is, you can't, you have to have the dynamic and dimension. That's why we watch all of them. Otherwise, if they were all giving us the same thing, I would only watch one, you know? So- I, I respect that. Um, a hundred percent. I totally agree. Listen, Smith sisters, what's coming up on this week's episode? What do you guys got cooking? What what's happening? What are we talking about? Um, and where can people follow you on social? How can they support? Definitely this week uh, is going to be about the bachelor finale, which was explosive <gasps> Tom and Katie. And then I think I am the only one who hasn't picked a topic yet. So probably I'm not sure. But uh, those two topics for sure. Okay. You know who I'm obsessed with is your pal, Lauren Lapkus. Mm -hmm. And I watched her IG stories about the Bachelor finale, having not seen a single episode of this season. But you like hear about a little little on social and I'm not a Bachelor person. I watched 700 hours of the, which was literally the two-part finale Uh yesterday because I was um, influenced by Lauren's IG stories about it. And I followed my very first bachelor person. I just forgot her name. I wanted to say it's Gigi, but it's wow. not. Something or other. It's not Maggie. It's somebody's Jessie name. or something? No, it was like the, there were two women who were especially fucked by this nightmare, uh-huh. um, whatever his name is. And one of them would just killed it in how she was absolutely dragging him both on the finale. And then she hugged her grandpa right before eviscerating. She literally tore him limb by limb, very calm, very collected. It was iconic. I followed her on Instagram immediately after she's a hashtag boss. I highly, if, if anybody wants to see the most cringeworthy finale of any kind of romantic based competition series followed by these women getting the opportunity to use their voices and use them well, I highly recommend it. I highly recommend it. I, I I will definitely watch the finale because I heard it was incredible. I saw Lauren's Insta stories as well and I was filled in by my sister and it is wild stuff. Yeah, it's unfortunate that the host wasn't that great because he kept cutting off. He needed to give a little bit of a pause when mm. they, after they said something, he just went straight into the other thing and it's like, wait for, just wait a beat. Like you're, you're, I know it's like live or live to tape or whatever, but like 
just give it a little bit of a moment. Second. Yeah. Just give it, just give it that little, that little bit of something, that little bit of something. Okay. Where can people follow you on social? It sounds like this week's Smith sisters is going to be absolutely iconic. Yes. And people can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Same handle at MSLAS. And guys, right after you're following Lauren Ashley Smith, you need to follow Imla on IG at Dame Galley. And speaking of fabulous, iconic moments that are also live, Andy's Girls is celebrating its 300th episode next weekend at Club Coming in New York City. In order for us to do these live events again, which I would love to do, we're really, really looking for AG support. And that's all about advanced ticket sales. You save five bucks if you buy now versus at the venue. Our last and first ever live show sold out. So I'd highly encourage it. And if you are, God forbid, living outside of New York City and still want to support the show, you can buy a ticket, which will be filled by an AG in the New York City area. Just shoot me a DM or email Andy's Girls Show and let me know that you'd like to donate the ticket back to the crowd. I'm hoping to upgrade the audio for the podcast if this show is an event. So consider if the show is a success, so consider it an investment for your ears and so much more. And also, who knew when I started AG that would be we would be coming up in the 300th episode, let alone one that I would celebrate with Evan Ross Katz, a frequent guest on the People's People's Couch, who I consider the Doris Kearns Goodwin of Bravo. So I would love to have AG support. And you can buy uh, tickets to the show now, on sale now, at andysgirls.eventbrite.com, which is also in the show notes for this episode. And while you're supporting stuff, listen, a new Satchel Spectacular up on the AG Patreon, where you get bonus episodes, invites to Zoom Kikis, and so much more. 45-minute Satchel Spectacular, where I break down your thoughts and feels, reactions, very, very Salt Lake City focused on this new episode. And obviously, one forthcoming talking about this week's Orange County. You can do that at patreon.com slash girls. And, you know, you, you got to love to self-promote. I literally can't believe that we're coming up on AG300. That, that's like, that boggles the mind. Boggles the mind. That's amazing. Congrats. That is really awesome. It's um it is something. I'm so excited for it. I think I know what I'm wearing, but I don't know that it's gonna zip. I've been like real eating my feelings the last couple of days with some gluten-free pretzels. Can I point to it? I'm obviously recording in the here it is. La Marquesa. La Marquesa. Beautiful. Oh my god. I mean right? the dress, the cloth this looks amazing. The dresses are it's very much giving Carrie Bradshaw like archival looks like it's it looks like a costume like a uh, rental warehouse thank you I die for that and I need to do I'm gonna do a FaceTime with you but I have shelving that just arrived so like and something is going back there that I'll talk to you about offline so I uh, I'm excited for it we are gonna do like a little video tour um I think in the next couple weeks uh and yes I will be in a variety of um black tie ball gown ensembles so that'll be fun on social but listen in the meantime Lauren Ashley Smith you know I die for you you know I'm obsessed with you like you need to come to New York so we can do another dinner and drinks please come to new york city because we need to turtle time yes Me too. all right guys i hope you're all feeling okay doing okay my god this episode was such a goddamn delight and we will talk to you soon bye-bye